Well, good morning and happy solstice to all. I'm Karen Schofield Leka. My preferred pronouns are per and pers, which is shorthand for person. And I'm so glad that you are here with us this morning. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag. I'm not wearing one at all, I realize. But if you've got a blue one, that helps us to know that you are visiting with us and we can give you a warm welcome. Uh, we'd love to talk about what we have found and love in this community and we're eager to hear about what it is that you are seeking here among us. Um, we hope that you will join us after the service this morning for coffee and cookies in the lobby and the social hall. And, and also please consider filling out this gold slip, adding your email. We then can send you a weekly update about activities that are upcoming here at the Ethical Society. And you are welcome to participate in, in anything at any time. And you can then drop the slip in the collection basket when it passes later in the morning. I've already reminded folks about electronic devices, so we're good to go with that. And so I'd like to invite forward Julie Drizzen, who will light our candle and read our statement of purpose this morning so that we may hear our words um, and shared values in each other's voices. Good morning. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thanks, Julie. And as Julie lights our candle, I invite you to join in the candle lighting words together. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to create a brighter future for all. Each week we ring this bell in solidarity with people around the world. And this week, especially victims of California's largest ever wildfire after a long season of flame. And all those who are concerned about the implications of the new tax plan. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love.
I invite you now into a time of meditation. So please get comfortable in your seat. Wriggle around as you need to so that you're feeling your body is balanced and at ease. Shift or stretch or tense and relax. And take a long, deep breath. And release. And again, breathe in and out. So this is the time of the solstice, the shortest day and the longest night. It's also a time of many other holiday celebrations, when our routines are somewhat out of their normal pattern. And so I just invite you to notice all the different kinds of emotions that come up for you in the midst of this holiday season. And don't judge them. Just notice them and let them pass by. and breathe. This month we've been focusing on hope. And Annie Lamott notes, appropriate to this time of year, Hope begins in the dark. It is a stubborn hope that if I can just show up and try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. You wait and watch and work. But hope rarely descends or magically appears. Most often it's passed on it comes to us as a gift. We don't find it as much as we receive it. And so let us think about who helps us to receive, who gives to us those gift of hope. It may come from hearing tales of others finding their way through the dark. And it helps us trust that light is indeed at the end of our own tunnel as well. Whose story has helped you see light in the darkness? And breathe. Or perhaps it's that person whose belief in you helped you to believe in yourself. Who is that hopeful one? And breathe. Breathe. 
Or hope may be a touch of graceful humor, no matter what's occurring. Who shares that ability to laugh, to see the ridiculous and difficult situations? And breathe. Or perhaps it's that moment when you realize that the darkness is not your enemy, but actually contains a gift. What might be that gift of darkness and stillness for you now? And breathe. This is a poem by Philip Booth I set to music.
Thank you, Cynthia Marie. That was an original composition that she wrote, so we're great to have the gifts of her talents, direct talents this morning. Just as we are about to experience the wonderful talents of our guest speaker this morning, um, some of you may re recognize Gail. She, she was here a few weeks ago and shared some of her poetry, and we were all so moved and delighted by it that we had to have her back, and so we are grateful that she is here again with us this morning. Gail is indeed a championship poet and grief writer. She has won both the national and the international poetry slam titles and has been uh, featured on 60 Minutes in the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post. Gail's named the Maryland Library Association Poet of the Year for 2018, and so we have a great year ahead. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Gail was also Young Audiences of Maryland Artist of the Year and Young Audiences National Artist of the Year. She has been providing in-depth poetry residences in schools across the country and has self-published five books of poetry. And so, Gail, we are so delighted to have you here with us this morning. Thank you. Do me a favor, close your eyes and picture your mothers. Close your eyes with me, please, and imagine that mama is sitting right there next to you. Reach over and touch mama's hair. mama close so you can kiss her cheek mama so pretty mama so pretty lay your head on mama's shoulder Whisper to mama. Say something kind. That you've been waiting until this very moment to say to mama. Let mama know. Let her know. Open your eyes with me, please, and if you don't mind, I'd like to share a poem with you that has 
saved my life over and over again, year after year. It's called Two Pearls. And it starts, I have what's left of you, Mama, in my hands. I've got two pearls. And those pearls, Mama, they shine like my memories of you, Mama. Those pearls catch the light. And in their reflection, Mama, I can see your pretty face all over again. And not just in those pictures you've got locked away in the attic. I was six months old. When you decided, Mama, that you could no longer live without me. I was your big sister Lucille's final child, but you, you had to have me. You pressed me close to your heart and no one dared call us auntie and niece anymore. They renamed us mother and daughter. Two pearls is what I've got left of you. Look, Mommy, I ate all my food. Daddy, if you put your hands on my mama again, I saw you hit her. And nobody hits my mama, Daddy, not even you. Sometimes I would sneak away from home. Go to my girlfriend Frida's house so we could play Monopoly and Candyland until my mama showed up at Frida's front door with a belt wrapped around her forearm. And it was not because my pants were too loose. <laughs> my mama yanked me off of Frida's living room floor and she spanked my little behind like a southern woman all the way across the street, up the porch, under the coffee table. Don't you ever make me have to come and get you again, Gail. I worry about you. I worry about you too, Mama. Two pearls is what I have left of you. Mama used to take all her sister's children on a Sunday drive, yank us into the back seat of the big blue Buick Riviera, fingers popping, afros bouncing in that beautiful Georgia sun, good old music bursting out of the radio. Let me say since, <laughs> yeah, since we've been together. My mama hit five parked cars that day. But my mama made seven little nappy-headed children love her more than nihilators and lemon drops. Two pearls is what I have left of my mama. I've got this ugly red wool coat that not even Jesus could make me give away because it came from the hand of my mama. A satin blue prom gown. My mama ironing the mess out of that gown, making it flat like a coffee table. I smoke because it makes, it makes me feel good, Gail. I tell you what, you better not dare try to hide my cigarettes no more. Thank you, grown, because you're about to go up north to that little college. I'm still the mama. Hurry up and put the little gown on. You're always late. You're going to be late for your own funeral. I'll be all right. My mama was not all right. The doctor started calling. They had run a few tests. 
they said that my mama had a little spot on her left lung. They said they would remove a little bit of the left lung and my mother would be fine. My mother was not fine anymore. I watched my mama melt before my eyes in a wheelchair and I'm standing there wondering who took her and left a 70-year-old woman in her place. Mama combing her hair out over the trash can. So I ran up behind her and I grabbed palmfuls of her hair. (laughs) She didn't see it, but I knew that I would need the hair. So I put it in an envelope and the envelope is labeled my packet of mama because I knew I just knew I just knew. I just heard her cough too many times, two million times too many. I heard my mama hiccup until she could not stop. I watched my mama become a bone. How about you? So I've got two pearls. I've got one pearl for the life that Laverne Bradley gave me. And I have one pearl for the life that I gave Noni, Nolan, and Noah because I wanted to be somebody's good mama. So we're on the phone, right? Long distance. One half of me at Syracuse working on a radio script. The other half of me insane. What do you mean, doctors, that my mommy is going to die? No, 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 no. Because my mommy cannot die. Maybe your mommy can die, but not my mommy. Hey, mommy, how you feeling? School is okay. I want to know how you're doing, mama. Talk to me. I love you too, Gail. So they took my mama's beautiful body, right? And they laid her down in pink. I never knew that my mama had a beautiful mole on her forehead because I was, I was too busy to notice. I was out with my boyfriends, you know. I was hanging out. I was too busy to notice. I kissed the mole. As my Aunt Myra walked down the church aisle, And she and her sisters made a soft circle around my mama's unbeating body. Myra put two pearls on my mama's ears. And those pearls are going to rest and shine and hurt, and hope, and love, 
and love and love and love forever. Touch your hearts for me, please. Come on. Sometimes we think that we have more than that and that is all that we've got. And once that is gone, literally, figuratively, in every lead, we don't have nothing left. That's it. We got to give that to each other. That's what our mothers bequeathed us. That's what she left us with. My pearls are going to rest and shine forever. <laughs> right here, mommy. Right here, baby. Inside my heart. Gorgeous. I don't know where this woman gets it from. 22-year-old daughter, right? Just finished college. Just finished St. Mary's. Last Thursday, I picked her up. And she said, Mama, I want to make up your face for the service Sunday. <laughs> Give me eyebrows and, you know. And I told her, I said, well, not too much mascara. Because you know what's going to happen. And she wanted to come. And I said, no, I don't like performing for family. Cynthia, you like, what? Well, you've got a beautiful instrument there. But do you like performing for family? I hate it. <laughs> My daughter gets to, you know, she's into, I'm her mama. I'm her mama. I can't stand when I'm in church. I go to an old Baptist church and the preacher says, lean over and say something to your neighbor. Well, lean over and say, isn't it strange that we got a poet doing the platform this morning? Y'all talk to each other for a second. That's all right. Talk to each other. It's okay. It's all right. So I write all the time. I'm addicted. I can't stop, right? Thank goodness. It is my hope. My writing is my hope. Let me know what you think of this poem in a poetry slam. You ever been to one? No, go to one. They're so fun. They're everywhere, right? Slamming started in the late, late 80s. Wow. Late 80s in a little bitty town called Chicago. And this uh, guy was drinking a lot, having a tough, he was at a tough point in his life. His name is Mark Smith with a C. And he had this bright idea that, People actually want to be part of your poetry. They don't want to feel like you're over there. and they, they, they want to feel part of it. So he had an idea to make audiences and poets come together because audiences, get this, get this, get this, audiences would have a chance to score the poet. <laughs> now that's fun, right? That's fun. If you love the poem, you hold your hand up, you give it a 10, and if it's like, eh, not 
so much. You know, you give it a one and all of the scores and decimal points in between, and then you get a winner. It's, it's awesome. And so I'm going to give you all the opportunity to score my next poem. I am so nervous. Um, okay. <clears throat> all right, applaud the poet. I'm just like you. Oh, yeah. Just like you. I mean, when it's nighttime and those thug boys walk up on me. Oh, I'm just like you. There's sections of D.C. I won't go to either. Just like you. I mean, I clutch my pocketbook to my side and I start praying, please, God, please, don't let these fellas follow me to the car. But this time it's daylight and I'm still scared. I'm at the Richmond, Virginia Juvenile Detention Center. I've been sent here so I can show these 14 little cocoa-colored boys how to express themselves. We know who's locked up. I've got a reputation. They say that if Gail Danley can't bring the feeling out of a group of young fellas, well, you might as well lock them up and swallow the key. I was so nervous. The security guard searched me from fro to toe. He told me, he said, you sit down, Miss Gail, right there, right there, and you relax while I go get the fellas. And he had a gun kissing his hip. I told him, I said, you relax, sugar, and you take your time coming back. <laughs> First thing I noticed when the fellas arrived, orange uniforms, disorganized hair, broken eyes, hands behind backs, no handcuffs. Security guard tells them, sit down and shut up. This poetry lady is going to do a poem for y'all. I should have typed him up a little introduction, but in anyway, anyway, <laughs> I stand up. I stand in front of the fellas. My knees are knocking like a pot of black eyed peas, but I do my poetry because this is my job, right? Okay. So I start with the library poem about this dude I dated with the bunions and the ash around his feet. And the boys start laughing. So I come close. Guard pushes me away. He said, you can't do that in here, Miss Gale. You ain't at the high school. Remember where you are. You don't know what these boys will give you. And you don't know what these guys will do to you on a dark night. So I suggest that you do it here and not there. Well, then I did the mama poem. I broke all rules. I came close to them. I wanted them to understand what a black woman smells like when she's not scared anymore. But most of all, I wanted them to write anything. I watched a tear creep down a brown boy's face. I came even closer. I didn't care anymore about what might happen to me. This ain't about me. Who am I? Security guard said, okay, that's it, Miss Gale. Get your jacket. I'll escort you out. 
You can't do that in here and you can't ask them to take out a pencil because pencils in here are considered deadlier than guns. You are done. I got my jacket and I headed for the locked doors. But behind me was a mirror. And in its reflection, you know, I could see a little orange uniform boy coming up behind me. Excuse me, Miss Gale. Yo, I know you got to go and things, but yo, Miss Gale, can you, can, can I, can I talk to you a little bit in private? Yo, Miss Gale, you know that poem you did about your mom's dying? I felt that. My mama died too. I wish I could go see her. I stood there looking stupid. Every word I had ever written, crashing at my feet, glass. What'd you say? Write your mommy a poem. You know, you don't write these things without pencils, right? He sure didn't have a laptop. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I was just a grant someone had written. I was just the entertainment for the hour. I got my jacket. I heard those doors slamming as I drove off onto 95 North. You you know what, y'all? I'm just like you. There's a lot of white beneath this brown skin. Don't be fooled. I'm just like you. I locked the door. Some mornings I wake up and I say, come on, go with me. Spirit, don't leave me alone. I'm going to need you today to show me how to show hope to a cell full of brown boys. I am hoping that this one time, that young man down there in Virginia is going to finish his sentence. Judges, hold them up. I like that one, too. When I was in second grade, I colored everything black. That's so this girl, this beautiful girl named Cosetta Sims. Come on, fancy folks. Say her name for me. Say Cosetta. No, don't say it like we in the north. (laughs) Say it like you just had some cornbread down in Carolina. Bring it up from the gut. Say Cosetta. Sims. I used to give her all my crayon. Red, yellow, purple, green, blue, mauve. I wanted her pictures to be beautiful like I thought she was. 
All day long in my little desk, I used to sit and I would stare at Cosetta. She looked like Beyonce intertwined with Taylor Swift. Yes, she did. She had one ponytail kissing each of her shoulders, separated by a part so straight. Her mama must have used a ruler to make it. Her mama was a magician. Somebody say, ta-da. Her mama knew how to oil, how to brush, how to plait a little black girl's hair and make it grow two inches every two minutes. That's a big deal, y'all. I don't know how y'all get y'all hair to grow so fast. I don't know. <laughs> Dirty dishwater was the only mirror I ever saw. Even my dishwashing liquid was mean to my little hands and my own hair. Pfft. Never liked it. My hair would never cuddle around that yarn that mama would put on it at night. At night, my mama, mm, she would slam dunk my head to the floor. My mama used to put, don't you love, Dirty dishwater was the only mirror I ever saw. Even my dishwashing liquid was mean to my little hands and my own hair. Corsetta was perfect. I was perfect too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Perfect loud mouth. Perfect smarty. Perfect teeth hanging over perfect bottom lip. I was the one that the teachers would grab in the hallway and say, get over here, Betty Jean. Betty Jean, come. This is my baby. This is Gail Danley. Do you know, Betty Jean, listen, this girl is in second grade. She can read on an eighth grade level. Read for Betty Jean. <laughs> Corsetta never had to read nothing. She didn't even have a reading level. Her hair was silky. I think she had a little Indian in her blood. She was perfect. At playtime, I would run fast because I had to keep up with Cosetta. Her ponytail smacking my cheeks, her green satin ribbon like green roses on her shoulders. I never dared ask her to be my friend because I knew that her answer would be, no, you're not worthy. Well, 10 years ago, Give or take. I saw Corsetta at the high school reunion. That great equalizer of all mankind, right? <laughs> Can I show y'all how I walked into the reunion? Go ahead, Cynthia. Give him a little something over there. She couldn't take her eyes off me because I had changed. You changed too, right? I mean, I had become 140 pounds 
give or take, of confidence and cleavage and class. I went up to her and I said, I'm a poet now, Corsetta. I said, yeah, baby. I go all over the world and I show young people the power and the beauty and the brilliance of words. And all Corsetta could look at me and mumble was, oh, well, that's really nice, Gail. I mean, we knew that you would turn out special. Whatever. I didn't tell her that 20 years earlier I would have sold my mama just for the chance to be heard for four minutes. But you see, some things, even Corsetta, didn't need to know. This has been awesome, y'all. I'm going to do one more piece for you, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to wrap gifts, and I'm going to be grateful, right? 2017 was jacked up and wonderful. It was all that, right? I'm so, what a way, what a way to end the year. Let me tell you, I'm just talking to you now, but this might need to become a poem. I just want to tell you how I ended up here, right? I don't have a regular job like some of you do, right? I'm a poet. So people hire me to come in and I do what I do and then they pay me and then I go home and write some more poems. It's a wonderful life, right? So on one of my off days, I think it was around this time last year, I said, you know what? I'm just going to call people randomly. I'm going to cold call. Anybody ever call? You ever call? It's hard. It's heinous. It's heinous, and you can't get your ego involved, right? Don't even think about it. So I called here because I pass here every morning taking my boys to, to school. I said to Barry, you know Barry, Barry Gallup? I said, I do grief work. I use my poetry to help folk who are grieving. And he said, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to tell Amanda about you, and maybe she'll call you back. She called me back. Knew me from nobody. Called me back. Somehow the spirit said, trust this woman. Believe this woman. This woman does good work. She brought me in for a workshop. I did it free. It was wonderful. She brought me in for another workshop. She paid me. She brought me in for the remembrance service. She paid me. She brought me in today. I think the check is in the mail. But anyway, you know... What a test, right? To go from there to here. It's just nothing but the power of never giving up, y'all. I don't care what they say to you. You pick up the phone and you make the next call and the next one. I also want to say to Colleen, what a testament to us, right? We met at a life coach event and we liked each other she looked at me i looked at her we said let's be friends then june 10th my mama died right so i've lost two mamas it's, it's, it's the most heinous thing ever and and then colleen's mama died so we decided to go up here to the firehouse restaurant and have hot wings and liquor did we drink we had a little something to drink 
and we sat there, and we had the hot wings, and we were crying, and then we would laugh, and then we would cry. It was horrible, and it was wonderful. What a 2017, y'all. And our tooth, our, our, it can only be, it's going to be so good. It's going to be bigly good. Can you imagine how good it's going to be? So I'm going to do one more. I'm going to go wrap gifts. It's called Hope. What's the name of the poem? Hmm. That's a funny one. Okay. Hope is something else. I mean, you have got to be one bad mother. Y'all supposed to say, shut your mouth. Let me try that again. I mean, you have got to be one bad mother to believe in your happy more than your horrible hope. Hope is not the absence of worry. Hope is the fist that whoops worries behind hope. Hope is the strut of tomorrow outpacing the fear of last night. Why do you think you got up and changed your clothes this morning? It's because you got hope that this is going to be the day. You feeling wealthy when your pockets ain't worth two cents. Hope don't float. Hope ascends. Hope is that ladder wiggling every time you dare to climb toward a smiley face next week. Somebody say hallelujah. Hope knows the blues. Yeah. Hope and the blues went to nursery school together. But Hope went over to Target and bought blues a pair of pink bell bottom jeans. Lord, Hope make a fool out of you. High water pants, scuffed shoes, gaping at the toe, and you just so walking on merry as June, gay as Wednesday night. Hope. Hope peeks at the hills but stares at the bills. Hope stares at the hills and peeks at the bills. I feel like having such up in here. I can smell hope. Somebody done dabbed a little hope on their pulse points. They stood beside the mountain and they sandblasted that mountain. Was it you? Somebody garnered the nerve and gathered the audacity, mustered the gall to declare to the situation, get out, be thou moved, thou, you suck, I got this, I got this, I got this, hope. Is that tiny plane flying over Atlantic City, but the banner doesn't read Coors Light. The banneries wipe your behind and run on. <laughs> Strut on. Sing on, dance on. Your breakthrough done broke through. You see? Your breakthrough done broke through. You see? Hope don't float. It wafts over and through and around the scared that oozes up beside you when you're trying to get some sleep. You know that book you're writing? <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna read it. Psst. You might as well give up. Ain't nobody gonna read it but your mama. And your mama can't read. And that's when hope, your real mama, hope, your biological mama, come in with some bacon, some cheese biscuits, 
some grits and she feeds you and you get strong. You get renewed like bleach socks. You can sit in the restaurant and dip your buffalo wings in the blue cheese hole. Oozes out your pores, spills out your like sebum, puts a shine on your forehead and your back head. You got this, y'all. I am all the hope and all the humble that you'll ever need. Be more than hope this year for you. Be hope for her and him too. Go forward. You're saved. Thank you.